0: Your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. It is John Pollock. It is the month of May, and it's a pleasure to be joined by WH Park for our monthly installment mr park how are you doing today uh john uh i'm pretty good i i was gonna lead off
1: with like a saying in japanese because it's it's been a while since you and i have talked i think before wrestlemania week it was the last time we talked yes i was gonna say to you like in japanese it'd be something like hisashi buri which means like long time no see or in this case would be like it's been a while hasn't it and then i was gonna ask you uh I was going to say to you, uh, Genki Desuka, which means, are you happy? Like Genki is a word that kind of means like energetic, which kind of translates into like being happy. Japanese is a very like difficult language to translate literally into English. It's more kind of like context and, and feelings that we're trying to translate from, from like the, the language of Japan into
0: the language of the rest of the world. Well, you can uh, officially label me Happy Horaguchi. Happy Horaguchi? Yes. Okay. I think you have better
1: hairstyle than uh, <laughs> uh Genki Horiguchi down in Dragon Gate there. I think every show uh, should
0: start off with a with a lesson from from WH about the uh, about the culture, about the language. I, I think I think our listenership could leave with, with something really uh, substantial from your Oh your, f- your funny wisdom. you
1: should mention that, John. I'm going to i going to give a lecture I know, about I know. How, I'm how to behave. Yeah, so, so, that's a little later
0: on. W.H. Uh, and his lessons are going to be coming later on. Uh, we have a loaded show. We have a lot to catch up on. As W.H. mentioned, it's been a, a while since our – well, it's been about just over a month. But in wrestling, a lot happens in a month. So let's just dive right into things. Uh, and a little tease out there, we are going to have an announcement at the end of this show pertaining to wh park yes and he is not leaving us so don't don't fret everybody all japan champion carnival it wrapped up uh back on april the 29th we had the finals and maybe a surprise to some uh but kento Miyahara ending up winning the entire tournament first time he has won the champion carnival of course he is a triple crown champion defeating jake lee in a fantastic fantastic main event i thought um, might not have even been the match of the tournament, WH. I'm curious your thoughts of where that one uh, ranked. I I got to see, uh, I would say a decent amount, but nowhere at the level you did. But I thought that was one of the best matches of the year between Miyahara and Jake Lee. Uh, but Yuji Okabayashi just tore it up in this tournament. And it seemed like the Champion Carnival, this was really a year where the Champion Carnival uh went out and... Really, really performed above everyone's expectations. There were some dynamite matches uh, throughout this that you chronicled on the site as well.
1: Yeah, I I was a little worried about this year because, you know, last year we had Naomichi Fuji, we had Yuji Hino, and we had Shigo Takagi in the tournament last year. And this year we, you know, in lieu of them, we had... The former Cyber, Cyber Kong, you know, uh, Takashi Yoshida, who's not a great wrestler anymore. Or, well, I, I would say he was fun back in the early 2000s. Now he just kind of phones it in down in Dragon Gate. And then we had the absolutely atrocious Daichi Hashimoto, who just shit the bed almost every night of this tournament. Uh, and then we had, you know, like some new foreigners enter the tournament for the first time. Uh The absolutely equally atrocious Gianni Valletta. And the surprisingly decent Sam Adonis, who I quite enjoyed in this tournament, to be, to be quite, you know, quite honest. I didn't have very high expectations of him because of his previous gimmicks that he does in Mexico and what have you. But like, he was, you know, pretty good because I think he must have read my preview, John. And he, where I said, like, I hope he wrestle, he concentrates mainly on his wrestling and not doing any kind of goofy characters. And that's exactly what he did. And then the incredible. Uh, revelation that was joel redmond in this tournament like i was amazed at like how much i enjoyed his work in, in the tournament overall like he didn't have like super stellar matches but he put in a good showing and he got really over with the all japan fans you know and we'll talk maybe a bit more about why that is a little later on but i i love this tournament you know like definitely yuji Okabayashi made up for the absence of say like mara fuji and Shinko takagi for sure
0: yeah, I think that this year there was a lot stronger word of mouth regarding the tournament. I think it, it's tough sometimes, more so, uh, from a North American perspective, which is not what this tournament is necessarily aimed at, that when it launched, like for me personally, this thing launched, uh, the day I was traveling for, for WrestleMania and you fall behind so quickly when, uh, WrestleMania weekend is when this thing is launching. But I thought that there was a lot of strong buzz from people like yourself that Guys like Kento Miyahara and Okabayashi and what Joel Redman was doing. And already, uh, I mean, that kind of interest going into this, like uh, Naoa Nomura doing so well in the tournament as well, tying with uh, Jake Lee in the B block that – I think you got a really strong flavor of what All Japan has to offer and a lot of interesting challenges coming out of this for Kento Miyahara, which I think did make the outcome somewhat surprising that Kento Miyahara ends up winning this and they're going to go to Shuji Ishikawa who did have a victory over Miyahara during the, during the uh, tournament. They're going to face off on May 20th and that's been the big rivalry and it's probably going to be another dynamite match between these two.
1: Yeah, I think one thing that was my takeaway was like clearly establishing like the guys just underneath Miyahara of the of the newer generation people like Naoya Nomura people like Jake Lee and even to some extent uh, you know his first time in the tournament was Yuma Aoyagi who's you know like there's this kind of like buzz around all these guys who were in next stream together like Miyahara Jake Lee Naoya Nomura and Yuma Aoyagi and then they've all kind of gone their own ways except for Yuma he's still like affiliated with Kento um, but I think his time is going to happen next year In the next year's carnival I think he's going to get the kind of push that Nomura saw this year so I, I'm really excited about the future of All Japan you know coming out of the carnival this year
0: uh given Ishikawa's signing over the last few months uh do you see any changing of uh, this championship on May 20th or will this be Kento Miyahara's latest defense and then going into some of these other challenges we've just noted
1: I don't think he's gonna lose the belt. I, I feel like you know Ishikawa is is perfectly fine where he is as one half of the World Tag Team Champions with Suwama. I think. You know, all Japan would be kind of foolish to kind of break up that act because I think it's a money drawing act. I think they they're guaranteed to have a good match whenever like Suwama and Ishikawa team up, whether it's against like you know they had two stellar matches with Sekimoto and Okobayashi. Um, they're gonna have a challenge from the team of Joe Doring and Dylan James coming up at uh, on a, an upcoming show. Um, I I don't think it would be a good idea to kind of like kind of split. You know Ishikawa's like focus from the tag team division into the singles division, so I I think Kento's retained. I think
0: when it comes to the the big match, the big championship match performers, I think that you know I think for the longest time Walter was that guy, and I think Kento Miyahara has kind of risen to be at the top of that mantle now when he has a big championship match and the atmosphere it creates the quality of matches he puts out and i would say my short list for wrestler of the year this year wh is will osprey and kento Miyahara. i think those are going to be two notable names that are debated at the end of the year if if both continue at this pace that they've been on this year
1: I mean, I've been lucky. I've seen, like, two of his best matches live. Like, the, the, the title defense he had on uh, January 3rd against Kai, which he got the best performance out of Kai's career in that match. And, uh, you know, I was fortunate enough to be at the Champion Carnival Finals. And so I saw, you know, like, Jake Lee versus Kento Mihara live. And it's just an amazing match. I would say... That's a tie for my favorite match, that and the Kento Miyahara versus Yuji Okabayashi match as well. You know, and I, I love the Okabayashi Dylan James match tremendously. It was like I, I've, you know, I just went nuts when I was watching it. But I got to say, the Miyara
0: Okabayashi match just kind of went over it just a little bit more. You know? Yeah, Dylan James is. I mean, if you haven't seen him, uh, kind of a similar look to Lars Sullivan, uh, but man, this guy is. Uh, like I had not watched a ton of Dylan James, but the match with Yuji Okabayashi—it's on the April twentieth show. It's a phenomenal like it. When when they reached the draw, like it has not felt like thirty minutes. These guys, the amount of chops in this match, and just the pace that they kept up for thirty minutes is remarkable.
1: Well, you know, you talk about your short list of, you know, best wrestlers of the year. I'm going to have to, I'll agree with Osprey and I'll agree with Miyahara. I'm going to include Okabayashi in that list. Not only has he had amazing singles matches uh, in all Japan, but he's had like good runs so far in, in his home promotion of Big Japan for wrestling. And also like he's had like. Like I said, two stellar tag team matches with teaming with Sekimoto to take on the violence giants. So like in any kind of situation, Okabayashi brings it like he's consistently having good matches, both as a singles wrestler and as a tag team wrestler.
0: Yeah, I think all Japan usually coming out of the champion carnival. I think it's when I personally I have the most optimism of what is what is in store for them for the year to come. And it just seems this is like a peak level of interest that they have coming out of the carnival that they do have more focus than usual, and it's a solid roster, and I think it's just you're you're battling with the clutter that is out there. And I don't mean to say clutter in a derogatory fashion, but there's just so much to keep up with that it's got to be really out of your way to go follow all of this. And the idea of signing up for another streaming service for fans is sometimes a big hurdle for them to clear, but I think that... Uh, the champion carnival is a great jumping on point to watch some of these performances and sets up a lot of matches to take you th- throughout the summer and into the fall.
1: Yeah, I'm very excited about it. Usually out of the, like you say, I agree with you. Like I feel this like, you know, like enthusiasm and optimism about all Japan, usually around and after the carnival, I say I would go so far as like right now I'm much higher on, uh, you know, following all Japan than I am on, new japan as of late uh because of, like this this road to don'taku shows just like felt very you know like stale to me like match after match was just the same thing over and over again uh i usually get out of this funk when you know best of the super juniors starts up which is going to and then by the time dominion rolls around i'm like okay I'm, I'm back into being very high on new japan but during the the past month or so i'm like uh wh you gonna watch the uh you watch that road to dawn taku show i'm like uh which one uh night 14 i'm like fuck no it's the same as night fucking 11 why would i be interested in that show you know (laughs) there none of these road to shows john really like did anything for me like except for the cork and hall shows the first one of those was really great and then you know they kind of went down a little and each night but like everything else else outside of cork and hall i was just like not interested What, what
0: do you think as as we shift over here to new japan what do you think of that strategy of making so many shows available and i know that there's going to be people that are just flabbergasted at that statement because there's a generation multiple generations that grew up and just wanted to get their hands on whatever tapes they could and now it's a it's there's so much but we're not talking about we're not in 1995 we're in 2019 wwe they're they're strategic in the sense they don't put every house show on the network they are more selective uh do you feel that new japan is it it, do do you see any detriment or is it just simply that the hardcores are going to watch everything um what, what do you think about that strategy of putting so many shows now on new japan world that it can be overwhelming and you know we've seen a history where you throw so much product at people uh it can be just too much it can be overwhelming and then you stop you stop watching a lot of stuff at that time
1: well i mean i feel like it's the consumer's choice to just pick and choose what they want to to watch like they could i I don't think it's like the onus on new japan to like not put as much as they want if they want to put all these shows up that's fine like i have no problem with that like mindset i have more of a problem when people complain about there's too much because listen you don't have to watch everything they have they've released all the cards you can take a look at what the card is like i'll like you know these road shows especially this time of year I'll, I'll look at you know my my phone or or on my computer like what's the tonight's show and i'll look at it and like is there anything here that's different that excites me that i haven't seen already on this tour and i'll be like
0: no so i'm, I'm going to skip it I'm not gonna watch it if I don't think there's anything good on the show. Like I I think it's know, great for fans that it, there are gonna be people that wanna consume everything. I look at it from just, you know, covering as much UFC as I have that as they have increased to this you know, uh, throughout the Fox era of having a card every week that it forced people to have to pick and choose. And I think when you when you start to give that option to fans, suddenly, you know, my my once a month UFC event I'm skipping a lot more than I'm consuming at that point. And ultimately it comes down to whether you have a hot product or not. And I, I think with new Japan, there's cycles throughout the year that people know that they can follow the big shows and keep up with everything. And you just don't, you just don't want to go down that, that road where people are suddenly, it becomes very easy to skip stuff and realize that, you know, that that's to me how you, how you do wear out uh, a more casual audience, I guess. well,
1: I'm going to say this, I'm sure they're closely monitoring like like the streaming numbers of like what shows people are streaming, the numbers of how many people are watching what shows. And I, it's not cheap for them. I mean they're they're like taking like a lot of you know production crew with them. They're they're bringing like, you know, Kevin Kelly and whoever else is like, you know, doing commentary with them on the road with them. Those that's not a cheap expense. That that costs them money where if they just do a like a one cam you know, house show style and just put that up with no commentary. It's much cheaper. And, you know, I got to think that if their numbers for like the like kind of the lesser house show style shows aren't doing that well, they're just going to say, okay, we're not going to we're not going to show anything from these shows. We're just going to keep them like more like house shows that don't go televised. And we're not going to bring, you know, like the commentators on the road with us. And this not just includes the English commentary team. I don't want to pick on them, but like the Japanese commentary team as well, like, they're, they're, they 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 got to start being more judicious about where they're spending the money on cuz i think you know this is a year where they're going to just they're putting out money in, on their tours you know they're they're going to you know the uk and they're going to do them so it's it's kind of crazy but the amount of money they're they're spending already
0: just on this particular tour uh, we had, we had a lot of shows from New Japan over the past month. We had the Sengoku Lord show, uh, that featured Kota Bushi defeating Zack Sabre Jr. to retain the Intercontinental title on the same show where Juice Robinson defended the United States title defeating Bad Luck Fale. And I don't know if me, me and Wei were maybe on an island, but I was very impressed with that match with Juice Robinson and Bad Luck Fale, partially because I was going into that match dreading that we were just going to get a, uh, Uh, an updated version of juice Robinson and chase Owens from earlier where it was just, I hated that match. I just detested that match. And I thought that that is going to be all of juices matches with the bullet club members. And it ended up with no interference. I thought, I thought they told a nice story with, with working over the back and had the finish at the end. Robinson goes over. And then you had the main event with Abushi and Zack Sabre jr. That just tore it up. So, um, I thought overall it was a, you know, strong final two matches. Yeah. Both those matches, surprisingly enough, and
1: I usually am not a fan of bad luck Folly matches, but I—it's a testament to Juice Robinson at how good he's become, that he could get a decent match out of bad luck fallow. He joins that you know rarefied group of like you know Nakamura, um, Tanahashi, and Okada who can work a miracle around you know bad luck Folly and actually get get something compelling. But I think you know the, the story—the very very simple story of Juice Robinson saying I'm gonna body slam you, and Bad Luck is saying. Fuck you! I'm going to break your back before you can do that, and then just worked around that, right? So it's the simplicity of it is is their simplicity, beauty
0: and simplicity, as they say, John. I think your simpl- I think your recapping of the story is even better when you when you throw in a uh, a, a f bomb in there.
1: Well, I just mean, summarizes it perfectly. I don't think I'm too far from like what he would probably say in real life. You know, good old Balak folly, big f word folly. We should call him from now on. I'm waiting for him to start selling those berets. I think he probably gets them at, like, you know, an Army surplus store for, like, five bucks a pop, John.
0: I think he really missed the boat WrestleMania weekend when he came over and didn't have a stack of uh, Bullet Club berets that people uh, would buy. Can you imagine wrestling fans with a, wearing berets around town? Uh, that would just – with Bullet
1: Club t-shirts? Yes. Uh, you might as well just shoot me right now, John, if I never want to see that
0: ever. Um. We had the uh, the Hino Kuni show, which featured Jay White versus uh, Hiroki Goto. Uh, You singled out this match that you did want to briefly discuss.
1: Uh, Yeah. What did I write here in my notes? Wrestling Hino Kuni sucked. Yeah, that's what I wrote here. (laughs) Uh, I I also contrasted the the, the attendance. So 2018, last year's Hino Kuni was headlined by an IC title match between naito versus suzuki and that drew 3435 fans john and, and, under, and
0: that match sucked as well that which, match did suck. which did, did you hear the the story from suzuki recently talking about like he lost vision temporarily in one of his eyes during that match
1: yeah i think but that like happened like later on in the match didn't it like so i don't know how you explained the first like 20 minutes it's a match. really and,
0: and to be honest, those two that wasn't their only dud that those two have had. Like I, I don't know what it is, but their chemistry to me is nearly non-existent because they, I think they can have a very good sixteen, seventeen-minute match. And their problem with that uh, Hino Kuni match last year was they went, I think, thirty, and man, uh, it just did not work for me.
1: Yeah, and then underneath that, I just also want to include in 2018 there was an IWGP Tag Team Title match between Evil and Sonata. I've uh, defending against a uh, killer elite squad. So yeah, not, it's not a bad number. 3,435. And then this year, 2019 was headlined by Jay White taking on Hiroki Goto in a reenactment of uh, 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 Darren Aronofsky's black Swan movie. You know, the one with Natalie Portman as a ballet dancer, John. Yes. That's I've what seen this movie, this, that's what this movie, that's what this fucking match felt like to me. It was like, especially that one counter 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 spot, like sequence. I was just like, what the fuck is going on? Like Jay White has now completed his metamorphosis into a meme wrestler, John. He's a he's a he's a meme wrestler. He's like thinking, "I gotta be." Everyone talks about how great of a counter wrestler I am. I have to really go with that. I have to amplify that. And it's like, dude, just go back to being the wrestler you were when you were a young lion. I really liked him when he was a young lion, John. I really liked him in ROH. I do not like Switchblade. I think I sound like a broken record. When we do these shows, and I just talk about my dislike of this character, but it's now infected his style where he's like got to be like this really intelligent, you know, counter wrestler, and then it becomes a fucking dance sequence, and it's just like, and I feel bad for Hiroki Goto. It it takes two to dance, but still, I feel bad for him because he's got to wrestle Jay White's match, not like, and Jay White doesn't have to wrestle Goto's match because Goto's booked like a loser, so he's not the star of the match. But this Drew. 2,702 people, John. It was 733 less people. So to me, that says that, you know, Jay White is not a draw at this point in his career. Like, I think he will become one. I think it'll happen when he turns babyface and loses, loses a Switchblade character and goes back to being, like, babyface Jay White, which I think has a lot of, you know, potential to be, a, a, you know, like a big star, bigger star than what he is now. And and you you book you book him against goto in a non-title match there's nothing on the line and goto's just booked into oblivion like what i don't know what they're thinking i blame new japan for this because like i don't know what they're thinking making this a headline match
0: you know i I think that they have not done jay white any favors over the last uh couple of months uh i'm much higher on jay white in the switchblade character than you are um I, i think he's had some great matches over the last six months, but I really question the title reign. I think that it was, I, I think you put him in a terrible position where he was placed at, he was literally playing Kenny Omega's placeholder for those several months. And I, I think, you know, it was, if it wasn't patently obvious, it was then punctuated by the fact that Kenny Omega did that interview with the Observer, literally stating what the plan was for the G1 Supercard that he would be. Uh, facing okada and okada leaving with the title and that's exactly what happened and i i question why we couldn't have just simply had tanahashi hold the title through g1 and you do tanahashi okada at at madison square garden and you know i don't know what plans you have further with tanahashi but i feel you could have gotten there and preserved jay white for something bigger down the road rather than do this this title reign that i think is going to be as kind of questioned as much as Tatsuya Naito's in 2016 that I, I thought was, I didn't understand the point of that one either.
1: Yeah, I mean, basically, you know, Jay White was like Bob Becklin, you know, between Bret Hart and, and Diesel, you know? I, and I think you were there, you were at Madison Square Garden Live. Like, I, I think would have it would have meant a lot more to the fans who came to see, like, kind of the New Japan, you know, part of the show. Like, if you actually had, like, the legendary match that's only been in Japan, if you had that headline, Madison Square Garden, I think it would have made a lot more people happier. I, I know a lot of people were happy with the result of like Okada winning the title, but how much more would have meant if it was like against Tanahashi and not Jay White? You know, John?
0: Yeah, I, I think had you ended with that, I think that would have been one of the... Uh, I, I think easily it would have been the biggest moment of the weekend. Um, and that, And that show had... You know, it, it it definitely had It's good and it's bad to it, but I think overall, I think people uh, left pretty satisfied that night. Um, but that to me would have been the direction. I think would have been uh, the strongest, and I, I just think that it's not so much booking for the night, but booking for uh, next year of what Jay White, what you've kind of saddled him with that he now has to kind of work out of this hole from that I feel he's in the midst of now and. I feel with this Tanahashi program that he's got going on and then into the G1, he's got the opportunity to get out of that hole. But I I don't think that that should be the, the result of solid booking is putting a guy in a hole that he now has to kind of find himself out of. Because this title reign to me was two steps back after I thought he was making significant progress in this role. After the Switchblade character, like I was with you a year ago, where it was just very... A very tough fit and it seemed that the Juice Robinson match was the start of it where he was really starting to gain his his footing in it and then had a very good G1 and was poised to be one of those top guys but was I, I don't think ready for this position when you knew there was an end date the second you put the title on him yeah but you know what we can do to like you know salvage Jay White John
1: next Wrestlemania weekend Jay White versus Josh Barnett
0: Bloodsport 3. Oh, I'm in. Yeah. That would be wonderful. Hey, that being there live, that Barnett, Minoru Suzuki match, my God, that crowd was awesome for that match.
1: No, it was like one of the few shows I watched from WrestleMania weekend that I had time for. That and WrestleCon, G1 Supercard, and TakeOver were the only things I watched. John, I have not watched WrestleMania at all yet. <laughs>
0: You are, you are not the first person that is a, uh, that has told me that, uh, statement about WrestleMania. I, I think that's telling. Um, quickly, just on, uh, Wrestling Duntaku, any, uh, concluding thoughts? We had, uh, Tai Chi defeating Jeff Cobb for the never open weight title, uh, which was a, a decision I was not expecting and, as we are talking now, on Thursday night, Jeff Cobb dropping the ROH TV title uh, in a four-way match. This was at the Toronto War of the World show. He didn't take the fall. It was Shane Taylor pinning Brody King. So Cobb losing two titles in the span of six days.
1: Yeah, I, I don't even know why he beat Osprey now. Like, I, I have no clue. That tells me it was like completely political. Like That ROH probably said, we, we need some one of our guys to, to win. And they said, okay, well, it can be Cobb because I, I think New Japan thinks of Cobb as one of their guys now. I'm pretty sure he's going to get a spot in the G1 this summer. Uh, so. Yeah, that to me, I don't even know why you took it off Osprey at all. Like, just
0: he should have kept it. Like Taichi had to beat Osprey to get the title match with Cobb.
1: Yeah, now and, have, and now like they
0: have, and now they have four week reign that was just very unnecessary.
1: And now we have Osprey on a losing streak gimmick. I I, I don't know what's happening there, but I, I'm not too. Upset that he lost in the tag match that saw the debut of El Phantasmo because I thought he did an amazing job helping get this guy over in his first match in New Japan.
0: That was one of the better debuts I've seen in a long time. I was – coming out of that, I think you were just so stoked for El Phantasmo to now be part of the best of the Super Juniors. Like they did – all of them did such a great job getting that guy over. Like that was the goal of the match and you had a bunch of professionals getting this guy up and running to be uh on par with all these junior heavyweights i don't think you could have done a better job and fantasma was excellent in that match uh he he stepped up to the plate i felt uh, i'm really excited to see
1: like what he's going to bring in the upcoming you know best of the super juniors uh but going back to Don Taku, like uh, if we talk about day 1 on may 3rd i liked the uh i liked the six men's like that we had between like Rapunki 3K and Ibushi uh, with uh, Bushi, Shingo and Naito. I, I think like they should just like break off Rapunki 3K from chaos, put them with Bushi and call themselves like strong style Ikemen, you know, or strong style metrosexuals. That's That would be a, a great new unit. What do you think about that, John? Yes,
0: yes. Print the t shirts.
1: Yes. It'll, 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 golden metrosexuals, maybe. I, I don't know. Uh, I like the Evil Sonata versus Okada Ishii match from that, that show. But for me, my God, the Dragon Lee versus Taiji Shimori match. I am so happy this was the main event of this show, John. That match was fucking awesome. It was so good. I, I thought Dragon Lee finally arrived as like this guy that can be like up there in the conversation with, you know, if he was still around, Kashida. but now with like, you know, Sh- Shigo Takagi's going to be in there and Taiji Shimori. that guy has, it's got to be the smart, one of the smartest people in wrestling to get out of his, you know, his contract with Noah saying, I'm going to go to the United States. I'm going to try to get work with Impact or WWE. And then he goes and signs with New Japan for wrestling.
0: What a genius. And he's done nothing but wonders for his own career by doing that. You know, John, the Lex Luger of Japan saying he was uh. Oh, I'm I'm leaving. I'm gonna go do uh, uh, bodybuilding, and then ends up going to the the World Bodybuilding Federation.
1: And I guess we can move on to day two, which was at on May fourth. So we talked about the El Fantasma Ishimori versus Dragon Lee and Osprey tag match. I I like the Tomohiro Ishii versus Evil match, but I have to say, John, maybe I didn't like the first third of the show be for, first third of this match because I felt I saw it all in all the tag matches that they had before right. this match so but the end of that match holy shit that was great um just just an excellent showing from evil of like you know matching ishii like in terms of like just i don't know the, the, the hard hitting aspect of like ishii's offense and i'm just waiting for you know evil and sonata both to just like leave lij because i feel they're never going to become stars while they're in the shadow Of being in the same faction as Naito. It's kind of like, you know, Tenzan didn't become a star until he left, like he left, you know, the, the shadow of Chono. You know, I think that's the same thing that's going to happen with Evil and Sonata, but they have to leave, you know, LIJ at some point, hopefully in the next year or so. Um, and then we had the main event, Okada versus Sonata. I know you didn't like it this much. I, I really like this match. I think I'm on an island where I like this match more than Ishii versus Evil.
0: You know not a, a lot of people did. I saw in the in the uh, in the Observer this week. This was voted like the best. More people responded to this as the best match of the show than Ishi and Evil. So you're not alone, definitely.
1: Okay, yeah, I, I I like the story. I and I like this idea that you know Sonata is kind of like inching closer and closer and closer to. I don't know if he's ever going to beat Okada for the title, but I, I feel two hour <laughs> match. He will beat him. Yeah. 13 paradise lock attempts. Sure. We, we'll go for that. One thing I'm going to say about Sonata, thank God he went to the barber, both got a haircut and he shaved off that fucking stupid beard. But I, I think the thing with Sonata is that he's got to tighten up that, you know, that, that uh, skull end finishing hold. I, I just think it looks so bad the way he applies it Um, or get a new finisher. But yeah, I, I don't know when it's going to happen for him. You know, like he, he's getting closer and closer to getting to that level. But, you know, the other thing about Sonata is like, I'm not sure about his contract status. I've heard like he may or may not be under contract with this company. And that blows my mind that they if they haven't locked this guy down to a contract. So I don't know the validity of that. I've heard like here and there about like he might not be working for a contract, which maybe that's the thing. Maybe he's waiting for a contract to like just kind of turn it up consistently which I think is a problem with Sonata. And then, you know, after that, you know, Okada wins. And then we get the the challenge, the goofy challenge from Mr. Chris Jericho to challenge for Okada at Dominion John. And uh, I'm going to say this, I, I'm more intrigued by this match than I am excited for it. And I'm going to see it live, John. I got my tickets for Dominion. My first time going to a Dominion show. My first time going to see a show at osaka Joe Hall. And if I like Osaka Johal, I might have to revise my uh, venues
0: list article that I I did for the Ooh. site a while ago. So oh, well, this is fantastic. Uh, well, but it looks like a really I I think that um I I think New Japan really needed to to make a move like this with with Jericho. I think they need it. There are no ready made challengers for Okada for this show, especially when you're running Osaka. Um, I mean, what were your other options here? Like. Ishi, Ishi, I guess, but I don't. I think- don't think they view that as big enough for Dominion. I, I, I take this as New Japan putting kind of ego aside and making this call that hey, we have the ability to book this guy. Why are we not booking him? And I think Dallas was a wake up call for these guys that they're not invincible, and they. I think ultimately, um, this at least opens the door a crack. I think towards what everyone feel is in, is inevitable that new Japan and all elite wrestling eventually have some kind of working relationship. Um, and that creates its own political mess if that ever comes to be. But I feel that both companies feel they'd be stronger working together. And I think this is the first acknowledgement from new Japan at that fact.
1: Uh, I, you know,
0: I think you're completely right on it.
1: I mean, do you think they're going to call Kenny Omega for Dallas? Cause I honestly don't see him having the time with his like you know uh, administrative duties with AEW along with being a wrestler to have the time to do like the G1 climax like you know do the show in Dallas and then fly back to Japan to do an entire tour i just don't see him doing it as much as he might want to i, I just can't see that being a possibility for him
0: i think the compromise is that you offer him to to do a, a match on the Dallas show that's not attached to the tournament
1: yeah, that's what I'm thinking. It's like a one-off just for the Dallas market, and you know. And then I think they're going to call him for Wrestle Kingdom
0: one of those two nights. I think. I think absolutely. I think. I think this is a lock that they will that they want Jericho for for the Tokyo Dome, and they're not wrong. That's a very very ambitious undertaking to run the dome two nights, and uh, I think that New Japan. I, I think the fact that they are working with Chris Jericho, I take that as a positive sign that they are that they're not just resting on their laurels here and they, they need this main event. So they're making it even though, I mean, they're going completely against their own style of booking with Jericho coming into this match off of a loss, which if you're a follower of WWE, you would not even raise an eyebrow at, but in new Japan, that's the kind of thing they, they never do.
1: I mean, it makes sense from a business point of view, as you say, but like, yeah, from a kayfabe point of view, it's like he lost the last time he was in the company it was Wrestle Kingdom back in January. He lost the IC title to Naito, and he hasn't done anything since. But you know, I think a lot of people are forgiving of things like this because you're going to see. Like, I am, I am intrigued. It's by a this match, match people want to see. Like this oh, was I one of the it. matches
0: when Jericho came in. This was near the top of everyone's list of a of a match people want to see, and it's a big enough. It's a big enough match certainly for the venue they're running. So I think that's the decision right there.
1: Yeah, I, I'm I'm interested in it. I I think I will enjoy it. I just wish he would. I was hoping he'd change his character again, John. I really don't like the you know whatever it is he's supposed to be like this you know cosplaying of the insane clown posse or whatever it may or may not be. I, I'm not sure what it is still. I'm not a big fan of it. I was hoping he'd he'd do something different, maybe. Go back to, I don't know, Nick Bockwinkle version of Jericho. But he doesn't go back or anything like that. By the way, I just had a thought. You know what Jericho could do at one of the Wrestle Kingdom shows, John? He could face Liger in in his retirement match and
0: revive Super Liger. Wow. (laughs) I I wouldn't go so far as to revive Super Liger. But Jericho as the opponent at the Dome is not the worst idea. Or uh, they could call it... That could honestly be... um, A main, if not semi-main, of one of the Dome shows.
1: Hey, New Japan, Michael Craven. Hey, you know, if you want me to help book these shows from going forward, like, you you know, just, you know, my
0: Twitter handle is at WHPark9. Yeah. You know what would have been the coolest visual? Is that if you had had the screen position behind Okada for his end speech, and he goes to do the Rainmaker pose, and then the lights go out, and it's Jericho's pose, which is pretty much the exact same thing, with his back turned, and right, that right, would have right. been the reveal. That would have been good shot.
1: We should some be booking this. Shit.
0: That New Japan needs to be investing. In.
1: We we need to be booking this. Like they should fire G- Jado and Ghetto and just hire us to,
0: to book <laughs> New Japan and do the w- production H- thing. Like uh, the Pollock regime that that's... I'm sure would uh, turn off people in in no time fast. <laughs> uh, we will
1: call it uh, Parkism and
0: Pollockism. Yes, yes, uh, Park and Pollock. Uh, so. Dominion also, they have announced uh, Kota Ibushi versus Tetsuya Naito and Taichi versus Tomohiro Ishii for the never openweight title. Those are the three matches we know of so far, and I- I'm kind of interested to see how they book Naito in this match because I think a lot of people are looking at him as being one of the favorites in the G1, and I'd be very surprised if they beat him again here, and I also don't want to see them take the title off of Ibushi which has been relatively quick, but that's also in New Japan's DNA of quick title reigns. When you're expecting a lengthier one,
1: I don't. I don't. I know they have this idea that he's like Naito's pushing, like he'll be like you know, like Becky Lynch, he'll have two belts going into Wrestle Kingdom. I don't want to see that. I
0: think you know it's healthier. For Naito the- does not feel that hot right now. I've got to say that he really need, if if he's going far in the G1, I do feel like it. He needs to have a hell of a tournament because. I don't know, he he does not feel like this um, super hot, um, you know, champion in waiting.
1: No, I, I think he shouldn't win the title from Ibushi. I think it's healthier for the belt and for Ibushi to keep, keep the IC title. And I think Naito, he's so popular, so it doesn't matter, like, if he loses this match. It's to Ibushi. It'd be different if he's lost to, like, Tai Chi or if he lost to, like... Fucking Tamatanga or something like that. That's different. But losing to Ibushi is is not the worst thing that can happen to you in New Japan. And could beat him again in the G One. He could get his win back there. Definitely. So I I think you know I think the G One is I think he's winning the G One. That's my 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 feeling, my gut feeling about it. Um. So I don't worry too much about Tatiana T- Nito right now. Like he's bulletproof, John. Like right now at this point in time, he is bulletproof. You can't do anything to like hurt his merchandise sales. You can't do anything to like hurt his like popularity with the fans right now. I think another loss at the rest, at the Tokyo dome will hurt his popularity and people will kind of like lose faith that he'll ever ascend to the heights that they want him to reach, you know, and I'm talking about the fans, not the company. So I, I, I think he's fine if he loses to
0: Ibushi at Dominion. Yeah. And you can also do the story. He could lose to Ibushi and it's almost like he's hit this, this rock bottom uh, stage of this character. And it kind of reinvigorates him for the G1. And I mean, you can do a lot in the G1 with Naito. Um, And it goes back to the promo from Kenny Omega last year, pretty much about Naito just can't win the big one. And, you know, that was to me a match that it's unfortunate they didn't get back to that one for, it just seemed tailor-made for Naito to beat Kenny Omega to win a G1, uh, which I think could have been the final this year. Um, So anyway, it's, I think going to be an interesting summer for Tetsuya Naito.
1: That could be the but, match at Dallas. Cause like, it's only going to be a one block show. It's not going to be both blocks at Dallas. So
0: right. We'll see. So the best of the super Juniors starts on Monday. We've got the, the whole lineup of blocks and matches in the a block. We have IWGP junior heavyweight champion, dragon Lee, Taiji Ishimori, Marty Skrull, Shingo Takagi, Show, Yoshinobu Kanemaru, Jonathan Gresham, Teton, Tiger mask, and Takamichinoku over on the B block. Will Ospreay is going to be a junior heavyweight for three and a half weeks. Bandito, El Fantasmo, Ryusuke Taguchi, Yo, Robbie Eagles, Rocky Romero, and Bushi with Flip Gordon and El Desperado scratched from the tournament. And they are going to be replaced by Render. Renderita yeah. And Dookie. Dookie.
1: I asked Not about the Dookie. Green Day album. Yeah. I asked around about this guy. I don't know who he is, John. So I asked around on on my, uh, you know, my my wrestling Twitter bubble, who is Dookie? And I got back that he's he's a Japanese wrestler who lives in Mexico. And, you know, occasionally he'll do indies in um in Japan, like most notably for like Michinoku Pro. But that's about it. Like otherwise, I've never heard of this guy until the announcement today.
0: Well, he's coming in with a low profile, is what we can say. Uh, and we will see how things uh shape up here. I am really stoked for this tournament. I think this is going to be a phenomenal tournament. Uh, it starts on Monday with Dragon Lee against Ishimori, Shingo Takagi against Sho right out of the gate, Marty Skrull and Jonathan Gresham, Teton and Yoshinobu Kanemaru, and Taka versus Tiger Mask. I love the addition of Jonathan Gresham. I think he stands to have a, a great tournament. He'll probably... Uh, get a handful of wins, I would say. I don't think he's going to be at the bottom. He'll probably have a kind of middle-of-the-pack finish. I think that just off that one match, Will Osprey and El Fantasmo feels like a big match that'll happen midway through. Uh, Bandito and Will Ospreay. I, I really like Osprey being part of this. I know that uh, everyone looked at his graduation to the heavyweight division, but I think the fact that you're have someone to headline so many shows will osprey brings the level of this tournament up significantly so i am not complaining that we'll get a best of the super juniors and probably a g1 with will osprey involved uh should his body hold up over the next four months
1: well i mean it's no surprise he's he's going to be in this because once they announced that the finals are going to be at you know sumo hall on a wednesday they yeah. they needed a like a super headline like a super hot headlining match and I I think the finals is going to be Shingo Takagi from A Block against Will Ospreay from B Block and I think that's going to be like Will Ospreay's like graduation from the junior heavyweight division because I think he's going to put over Shingo and Shingo's going to go on to face Dragon Lee or maybe they're going to wait because maybe that's the show where Hiromu says he's coming back and maybe he's going to get the title shot first and then Takagi's going to face the winner of Dragon Lee versus Hiromu. We'll see. I don't know where that's going to go necessarily. That's just my guess. But I'm definitely going for Shingo Takagi versus Wool Osprey at Ryogoku, you know, Kokuki-kan in the finals. And I think Shingo Takagi is going to win. Um, do you see Shingo Takagi losing any matches in his block, John?
0: I They've really built this up a lot to the point that I feel – we could see a loss in this to to set up something. But I mean the other argument is if you feel he's winning this tournament, there's the argument to him just, just running the the gauntlet here and really thrusting him into that um into that title match and putting the title on this guy in theory. Um, I'll say he'll lose in this tournament, yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I only see him like maybe losing to one person for sure. I think that's Sotanaka. Because I think that's uh, like a perfect way to like set up a future tournament and then he's on fire throughout the rest of it. Yeah, like maybe one or two losses, maybe one like a loss to like a surprise loss to like, I don't know, you know, Gresham or maybe like T10 to like kind of put that guy over. But if I'm going to have him lose, I probably only would have him lose once. And that's to show Tanaka and that that really sets up like like solidifies their rivalry to the point where like when. You know, eventually Shiko Takagi is going to be heavy, become a heavyweight. I think Shotanaka is going to join him. And I think they're going to continue a rivalry into the heavyweight division down in like a year from now, two years from now. So. Great. Another seat to plant in this kind of like relationship that, you know, Shotanaka and Shiko Takagi have. So that's the only person I see him losing to uh, in a block.
0: All right. Um, did you have a short list of matches uh, to recommend? that you uh, forward to well uh yes yeah, girl versus
1: gresham show versus shingo lee versus ishimori uh day two bandito versus uh phantasmo day three uh tiger mask four versus kanamaru because these guys are so surly and like like to beat the shit out of each other i always love their interactions with one another so i'm excited about that uh dragon lee versus Sho Tanaka. Um, I had originally I had like you know uh, Flip Gordon versus Robbie Eagles because I thought that had potentially like a really amazing high flying match, but that's scratched because Flip Gordon was not able to get a visa. I don't know whose fault that is. I don't blame him. I think that's probably like on New Japan's fault. New Japan's end. Uh, day five I have Lee versus Gresham. I think that's going to be great. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to keep my, my notes. Day six, uh, Fantasma versus Eagles. Then we move down to day seven, which is like the Corkin shows. Uh, we have Skrull versus Shingo. I think that'll be good. Osprey versus um, Phantasmo. Uh, Tiger Mask Four versus Gresham. I just like Gresham against like these like kind of like veteran juniors. I think it's going to be really fun to watch him in there with someone as surly as Tiger Mask Four. Uh, Osprey versus Bandito. I think that's the day eight. Lee versus uh, Dragon Lee versus Shingo. That should be amazing. Uh, Day nine, Gresham versus Ishimori, uh, Dragon Lee versus Teton, because these guys are both like from CMML. I'm sure they have a lot of chemistry. I, I hear a lot of good things about Teton. I'm not that familiar with him. But people I know who are big into lucha say nothing but good things about him. And they say he's one of the best technical wrestlers in Mexico. So I got to I got to go with like what they're recommending and and say that that's going to be one to watch. Uh, Osprey, oh, I, I had Osprey versus Flip. I forgot to scratch that out. Never mind. Uh, where are we at now? Day 10, uh, Osprey versus Eagles. You know what really bothers me, John, about that, is that that's going to be at the Enchiba. It's not going to be a Corkin. And I thought, yeah, really, if you're going to get Eagles over, like I, I'm kind of like disappointed that he's not as over as I feel he should be. Because I don't think he's been given the opportunity to really show what he's capable of. And I thought, okay, this Best of Super Juniors, if if he's in it, him and Osprey have to headline one of the Corrigan shows. But they're not. They're going to be like, you know, like semi-main of this Chiba show, which is a double-block show. But I I really – why couldn't you move that to, you know, the day before? It just really bothers me for some – like, you know, just – Eagles, I think, has so much potential to show – New Japan, what he's capable of. Uh, and finally from the same show, uh, Tanaka, Shotanaka versus Taiji Ishimori. Day 11, Gresham versus Shingo. Uh, day 12, Bandito versus Robbie Eagles. Uh, day 13, I got three matches, three, uh, Dragon Lee versus Marty Skrull, Shotanaka versus Jonathan Gresham, Shingo Takagi versus Taiji Ishimori. That's going to be like the battle of the dragon system guys, John, who don't work for Dragon Gate anymore. Uh, then yeah, I think that's it. And then we got the finals.
0: At, uh, yeah which we'll also have Tanahashi and Jay White on that night at Sumo Hall. Yeah. it's something big for such a big building for the finals.
1: I I think once people realize that it's going to be Shingo and Osprey like the, the the you know the the sales of the, of that show will go through the roof and the walk-ups going to be no
0: problem for that show, you know, even if it's on a Wednesday. Uh does Ren Narita get one win? No. That means Dookie has to win one. Uh, prop- they will both be in the same block. Maybe, maybe Ren Narita will
1: beat Duki. Then
0: that's going to be the uh, the litmus test. We will see is Ren Narita ahead of Dookie?
1: Well, they're pretty high on him, you know. So
0: best best bridge in in wrestling right now. That
1: that that finisher is amazing. You know that guy reminds me of. I maybe I've said this already to you, John. That guy reminds me of like Shinjiro Tani.
0: Yes, I, I certainly see that comparison. Yeah. All right, let's move on over to stardom. Um, We'll kind of blitz through this. uh, We we will go through like everything here from the Cinderella tournament, but I did watch the entire thing and WHU attended this show. Um, Why don't we we start off with you and your live experience at the stardom show?
1: Well, first I want to go on a positive note and I have to say, John, this was one of the best attended stardom shows I've ever been to at Cork and Hall. It was, I would say it's a near, it's looked like a near sellout to me. Like I've never seen the lobby that busy and the other point i want to make out is that there were more women here than i've ever seen at a stardom show and that to me is a good sign because like you know you go to stardom shows that you go to most joshi shows it's kind of like a sausage fest and it's like an older sausage fest it's it i don't feel so bad about it but i can see why people feel like a little uncomfortable because of like you, know, you have this older male audience watching all these younger women wrestle is including like teenagers like so It's nice. It's refreshing to see like that Stardom is attracting more women to come to the shows. And I hope it's like an an upward trend. But the, you know, before we get to the tournament itself, I got to address this, I guess this elephant in the room that I was at the show live and I had the displeasure of sitting across the ring from this one particular foreign fan who proceeded to be like, what are the most obnoxious fan experiences I've ever had. And John, keep in mind, like how many years did we see shows at O'Grady's with some of the most obnoxious people, you know, in, in that we've ever encountered as wrestling fans. You and I have been to like ROH shows in upstate New York. We've been to like tons of independent shows in Toronto, like, and there've been some horrible fans at those shows, but this guy, he took the cake, John, like, he 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 proceeded to sit down in his seat. I was warned about this guy. Apparently, he he disrupted two New Japan shows the week before at Corken Hall. He was a nuisance at uh, the Champion Carnivals uh, the the night before the finals, which saw like you know uh, Nomura take on uh, Lee, take on Suama, and then fight or no Nomura versus Suwama, and then he had to fight Jake Lee again. He apparently he was being obnoxious at that show. He was at a seedlining show, which is a Joshi promotion. And he pissed off. The promoter of that company, like uh Nanae Takahashi, to the point where she she turned around because he started a this is awesome chant, or he tried to, and then she turned around and told him to shut the fuck up in japanese i was I was flabbergasted at it, I saw the footage well, of Stardom
0: put out a message after this right on Twitter yes, <laughs>
1: they said you know we we appreciate our foreign fans. this guy was not Japanese, he was a visiting fan from another country, and they said please enjoy the shows, we appreciate it, but please don't make a spectacle of yourself. They did not name him, they did not describe him, but he is the first person to respond, and he said, I am deeply offended by this tweet. So then he revealed that he was the fan at this show that everyone hated. And so people were just, like, responding to him, including myself. I just said to him, you know, like, you should have fun, but no one enjoyed what you were doing at this show. And this this included, like doing, like, all these chants you would hear at, like, independent shows, like, you know, chanting the name of a wrestler and then clapping, this is awesome, clapping, and he wasn't doing this to, like, enhance the show, John, like, I I think we can safely say, like, in our experience that we can tell when people are trying to enhance the show, or when they're trying to get themselves over or draw attention to themselves, you know, this guy was the latter. He was trying to draw attention to himself. He was starting chants at like the most inappropriate times. And when I say inappropriate, when you go to a Japanese show, there are points in the match where people are like enjoying like the kind of like the technique of the wrestlers and people are silent, right? And, but not this guy. And it's not just this guy by himself. He had a friend. So he's sitting in the front row. John, he paid like $150 for this, for this sheet. And his, and he had a friend in like the the East section and they would coordinate. They would look at each other and then start chanting. And I'm like, Oh my God, these guys are horrible. Like, and they just ruined like 95% of the show. Okay. I'm not going to say ruined because I still enjoyed the show as much as I could, but they really put a cloud over the enjoyment, not just for me, but for the people behind me. They, the people behind me were Japanese. They were saying the most horrendous things about this guy. like like un- very flattering things i went to the washroom during one match people in the lobby were talking about this guy and, and they were like saying the most horrible things about this dude i could see people behind the people behind him they were not enjoying this guy one young teenager was sitting had the you know unfortunate you know experience of sitting next to him he left before like the the semi because he he had enough of this guy he had enough of sitting next to this guy. He left. He he gave up his $150 seat John. That's how obnoxious this guy is. So, I want to, you know, turn this into a PSA. If you are going to come to Japan to watch wrestling, please, please, you know, follow the adage, when in Rome, do as the Romans do. Please follow the cues of the Japanese fans. Follow the cues of the other foreign fans who maybe live there and know how to conduct themselves at Japanese wrestling shows. Please follow the cues of people who, who don't live here, but come here often enough that they understand how to behave at Japanese wrestling shows. Western style chants, things you hear at, you know, independent shows, things you hear at PWG shows, things you hear at like, you know, you know, progress shows or whatever. They don't get over in any promotion in Japan. And, you don't ruin the experience for, for like other foreign fans who are visiting, who live here. But please, please don't ruin the experience for the Japanese fans who are used to, you know, enjoying wrestling shows the way they want to.
0: Yeah. You, you warned me about this ahead of time. So I watched this tournament w- with a podcast on. So I had the volume, uh, very, very low. So I did not, uh, it's, it's very quiet at these shows. Uh, so one person yelling, that's going to really reverberate that much more. And listen, I, I usually nine times out of 10, I, I will err on the side of like fans that, you know, if you spend your money, I feel at times people try to police fans way too much. um, But in, in this case, like if you're going there just to try and disrupt everyone else's enjoyment of the show, uh, I, I don't think you're, you're, you're not adding to the experience you're taking away from people. And it's, yeah, that it seemed to be pretty unanimous from those that were in attendance and that that watched afterwards that this was uh not someone trying to enhance it. I guess the 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 further question wh is that how you go about uh policing such a thing. It's not like this person was yelling out anything that was offensive um that you could uh maybe justify ejecting him from, but that's that's kind of the, the next step here is like if something like this happens again, what is the role of the promoter here? Is it to uh, preserve the enjoyment of the majority by the elimination of a, a small subgroup of fans that are there? Um, that's, you know, something that I, I wonder if there's going to be more of these instances in the future from other fans. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think with this particular fan, he
1: he got called out by stardom, not like directly, but he also got blocked by their English account and their Japanese account. So I don't think they're afraid to like, you know, if he ever shows up cause he's very distinctive looking, if he ever shows up, I, I don't think they're going to have a problem with like, you know, if he bought a ticket beforehand, you know, refunding the ticket and asking him not to come back. Um, I think there were a lot of Japanese fans who aren't on English Twitter or like, you know, doing anything, on social media in English who complained to stardom. And you got to understand, like you see a lot of the same people over and over at stardom shows. So they're a loyal group of people that stardom doesn't want to alienate. And they have this one guy, or maybe it's another group of foreigners who come to disrupt the shows. I don't think they're going to risk the, you know, the displeasure of their loyal fans to appease these visiting fans who are going to spend maybe a fraction in in like a one or two week period that these guys are going to spend over the course of like the next you know one to three years you know going to live shows paying like 150 to 200 dollars worth for tickets and for merchandise and what have you so I, i i'm not surprised if you know you see this kind of you know kind of you know movement among like especially the smaller promotions to like kind of really inform fans and put PSAs over the air before the shows. Please do not do these things. Uh, and I, maybe they're not going to say we're going to eject you or anything like that, but kind of like put put it out there that
0: this is not going to be tolerated. You know, John. Right. Exactly. I, I think that your reaction should be directed at you know the the show and not so much having a negative effect on those surrounding you. So I mean, it's I, I always go with the the idea of. Don't be an asshole that's a great rule to have in life I would say yes it's a it's a fantastic rule, and I try to live that in my everyday life and
1: particularly at wrestling shows i you know I try to enjoy the show, but I don't try to like enjoy it to the point where I'm ruining the experience for people around me like I want to enjoy the show with everyone else you know that's
0: kind of like my philosophy,
1: but enough of that guy, my final thing is don't be that guy, please don't be that guy
0: so the actual tournament um so in the first round, we'll just quickly go through here so, some results. Uh, AZM defeated Rebel Kel. This was with a uh, a Rana hooking the leg in 5.06. Then we saw uh, Natsu Sumir take on Starlight Kid, who was uh, featured pretty prominently in the tournament. Uh, Starlight Kid was going for several cradles and then finally caught her. I would say a bit of a mild upset here at 5.16, so she advances. Hazuki versus B Priestley. This one was interesting because... Priestley went for a flying knee and a suplex, and then as she applied a head scissors, both went over the top, and in these tournament matches, you can be eliminated by going over the top rope, and then the match concludes, and Priestley hit the floor first in four minutes, and later it came out that Hazuki uh, had uh was not scheduled to win this match, but had to advance. Yeah, I mean... It's, uh, you know,
1: anything can happen in wrestling. So they, I, I think it didn't really hurt the rest of the tournament. It's interesting because like, you know, B Priestley would get a title shot against Kagetsu
0: like at a later show, but we'll talk about that maybe after we talk about Cinderella. Uh, Arisa Hoshiki versus Saki Kashima was next. Uh, this one went five minutes, uh, Hoshiki. Uh, I, I, don't think I've ever seen her before this tournament and was really impressed with like her strikes, uh, hit this bicycle knee and a twisting moonsault for the win. And the first round wrapped up. We had, uh, Hana Kimura defeating Andras Miyagi. Kigetsu and Tam Nakano went to the time limit of 10 minutes and shook hands after that. Uh, Natsuko Tora versus Jungle Kiona saw Tora hit her top rope splash for a two count, and then a top rope leg drop for the win at 7.55. And the final match of the opening round, Momo, Watanabe, and Konami ended with uh, Watanabe running at Konami, pulling down the top rope, and Watanabe flew to the floor at 4.52. These were all super quick matches, but man, I... One of the big arguments, I, I said this last year, was about, you know, sometimes you just, you have to go on Raw and you just have no time. And I watched these matches and man, they, th- these were some of the best three to seven minute matches you were, you were going to see. Like, not blow away matches, matches of the year, but man, they, the time was not an issue. No, I mean, the thing is, is like, if you, if you follow Stardom
1: closely, like all of these matches have like built in storylines. So it, you can you just, you just pack so much like meaning out of like these short matches in like three minutes, four minutes, five minutes, and, and you and you're still satisfied as a fan because like, oh, that they did this and that. Okay, that has meaning to something they did a couple of weeks ago. Or this is setting up something they're gonna do a couple of weeks from now. So for me, like for example, like the time limit draw between Kagatsu and Tom Nakano was really Meaningful for me because this is like uh, you know a match between two people who are in the same faction because Tom was used to be in uh, Oedo Tai and then she had to leave and so like they had this handshake at the end I'm like hmm what's what's going on there is Tam gonna turn on Stars because she has this like issue with Mayu Iwatani she has this issue with Arisa Hoshiki. You Know there's a lot of things that have been built up throughout like the last several months, so like that means a lot. Uh, for me, probably my favorite match of the first round was Konami versus Momo Watanabe because like I tweeted this out, I was watching this match and I just like, okay, Momo and uh, Konami have turned stardom into the UWFI because they're doing kind of a sheet style match, which I thought was just amazing to watch. And I think like Ares is just such an amazing get for them, like. The thing about Arisa is like she used to be an original Stardom uh, roster member. She left the company, and then she came back about a year and a half, like maybe eight months ago. And she's just been on fire ever since in the company, John. Like I think she's gonna become a big big star in the next several years for 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 Stardom, and I'm 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 just excited to be able to see kind of like this ascension of her since her return back to Stardom.
0: Yeah. Uh, before all the first round matches, you also get promos from the women and. They're all subtitled, very easy to follow. And the best one was uh, Natsuko Tora saying that the Cinderella dress is going to be full of Oedo Tai's blood. And then they cut to Jungle Kiona, who just simply says, I will kill Natsuko. (laughs) It was just great. I'm coming to murder you. Yes, it's great because
1: they used to be in the same faction before the stardom draft happened. And then, like, Natsuko was uh, recruited into Oedo Tai – And Jungle Kiona, like, had to, like, break up her faction, uh, Jungle Assault Nation, and she had to join, um, Tokyo Cyber Squad, Hanakimura's, uh, you know, faction. I'm going to say this, John, just as an aside, that people sometimes ask me, like, what's the best way to get into stardom? And I always say, listen, just start from the draft because, like, everything gets shaken up, follow through with the Cinderella tournament, and then go through the Golden Week shows, which is all these, like, special, you know, special produce shows put on by the different factions where like all they do all these kind of interesting things, including a costume change battle royal, like, and like different types of, you know, iterations of different kinds of matches, you get a real sense of what stardom is about in this kind of like, you know, I'd say six week period, like, and it's the perfect time to get on if you're a new fan.
0: So the second round, there were only three matches because we had the 10-minute time limit, so there was a, a bye. Uh, Natsuko Tora took on Hana Kamura. Kamura missed with a running boot and then was sent onto the apron. She got hit with a metal sign behind the referee's back, and Kamura fell to the floor at seven minutes, so she was eliminated. AZM versus Konami was next. Uh This went three minutes and 34 seconds, and this is the best three minutes and 34-second match you're going to see. There was a reversal into a deep armbar, and immediately Konami taps, uh, and AZM advances. I just thought this was – No, it's the other way around. It's the other way around. Konami advanced. Sorry, sorry. Konami had the the armbar, and AZM tapped out. Yes. Yes. By the way, it's Azumi. You You pronounce it Azumi, John. Oh, I have no idea. I it it just reads A Z M. I'm sorry, Azumi. It's, it's yes. Yeah, it's, don't worry. It's it's Japanese stylized,
1: but you're you're supposed to say Azumi like before. Hazuki was H Z K when she was in Queen's
0: Quest, and then give this English speaking viewer uh, a break here. I, I I am John, but like I'm just trying to help you now, so you don't look foolish to this the rest of the uh, Joshi. This is your your second lesson, the directed to, at me. <laughs> uh, I I thought the match was great though. Oh, Konami and Azumi. Yes. Uh, I think, you know, Azumi's like what,
1: 17, 16, and she's already like better than a lot of like the, you know, the, the American or UK wrestlers that they bring over. It, her and Starlight Kid, you know, like, you know, by the, by the time they hit like their 20s, they're going to be like on a level of, like, you know, we're great. That's just going to blow away most men, let alone other uh, other women wrestlers. You know, like you're going to be comparing them to like Tanahashi and Okada, you know, by the time they reach like 27, I feel.
0: And then the final second round match, Hazuki and Starlight Kid. Uh, it saw Hazuki drop kicked off the turnbuckle. She held on. And then as she tries to leap back into the ring, she gets knocked down in midair and Starlight Kid sends her to the floor. This one a minute 20 and Starlight Kid advances to the third round. So we're down to the final four here. Uh, Natsuko Tora versus Arisa Hoshiki and Hoshiki again with her twisting moonsault off the top. She, uh, was beaten down throughout the match. Uh, Tora speared her and she's also selling the knee significantly and then makes the big comeback, hits the moonsault and won in 654. Starlight Kid and Konami, uh, Konami, uh, used this arm twist and then rolled into the deep Fujiwara arm bar again, getting the instant tap out. And I mean, this arm bar, if you were just tuning in for this tournament, they got this arm bar over so strong, uh, in this tournament because it wasn't just of uh, winning the match, but immediately the opponent taps and this one only went 247 as we set up our finals with arisha hoshiki and konami
1: yeah well you know just for your edification job the the arm bar is called the triangle lancer and it's 100 percent guaranteed to get a win as she likes to say in her promos um yeah arisa and konami were in the finals i gotta make one point you know i'm big into like gear and stuff konami came out in the finals wearing this sick looking robe, John. It was like so cool. I was like, Oh my God, Konami looks like a megastar with this robe. And she saved it for the finals of this, of this show. And I was just like, She's arrived. She's going to be Wonder Stardom champion like before the end of the year. I, I, I feel it in my bones, John. I think she's going to be the one who beats. Momo watanabe for that belt, but like then they they had the longest match of the show because there was no ten minute time limit on this. Um, I don't know what to yeah, say. So, so
0: they went they went Broadway WH and went ten minutes and twenty two seconds. <laughs> That's
1: right. I think it was a fifteen minute time limit Matt, time limit on this. But oh. um, yeah, excellent chemistry. These two are gonna have great matches in the future. But it you know, Arisa wins. She, she wanted a, a, cha, a, a title match against not Kagetsu, who has, who's the world of stardom champion. She wanted a title match against Momo Tanabe's, uh, wonder stardom title, the white belt. Um, you know, that, that white belt is like the icy title, John, but like because of, you know, like when Tony Storm was the world of stardom champion, the red belt, she wasn't in Japan that often. So, like, you know, Io Shirai was the, the white belt champion. So, like, she, you know, just by default, she elevated that white belt to a point where it's like it means so much. And, you know, to her credit, Momo Watanabe has, like, kept up the prestige of that belt with her title reign so far. Yeah.
0: Um. The match saw uh, Hoshiki was dealing with the knee injury throughout and Konami is attacking the knee and Hoshiki Comes back. She was, uh, she got out of a stretch muffler and then Hoshiki hit her twisting moonsault. Konami kicked out of it right at the last second. There's a spot where Hoshiki's knee buckles as she's trying to set up for a kick, landed a flying knee and then hit a second twisting moonsault. Again, only a two count. And then she hits this beautiful high kick. It was like a question mark kick, uh, for kickboxing fans. Uh, does she have a name for this kick? Uh, everyone I know who, like, has seen it, like, calls it the question mark kick. It looks fantastic and Hoshiki wins this ten twenty two, gave a tremendous babyface promo afterwards, uh mentions training with Tem Nakano, uh talked about the symbolism of the blue dress, apologizes cause she's speaking too much, and uh <laughs> then Momo Watanabe um comes out and is holding the belt and this is not a very respectful exchange as she's uh in the past, I guess, accused Watanabe's kicks of being fake and she won't shake her hand and leaves with the white belt and sets up a match. Yeah. Which will
1: happen at the May 16th show next week. Uh, unfortunately, it's on a weekday or else I would have gone John. I would have made the trip to Tokyo to see this particular match. Cause I think it's going to be awesome. Um, yeah, I thought a great tournament. So many people got elevated. I think Konami, uh, Konami, Arisa, Hoshiki, and Natsuko Tora all acquitted themselves very, very well in this tournament. I, and I see a lot of, you know, a lot of good things for them on the horizon in stardom. Um, before we move on, like, I just want to make a couple of notes. Uh, B Priestley, she won the World of Stardom title from Kagetsu in a really good match. I, I urge people to go watch this match. It's, it's a really good coming out party for B Priestley, who I, I think gets a lot of flack online because like she's Will Ospreay's girlfriend. And I think a lot of people online don't like Will Ospreay's social media, whatever. I stopped following him. So I don't care anymore. I just follow his matches, but she, she has improved so much from when she debuted in stardom to the point where I, I really feel like she's one of the, 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 one of the better wrestlers in the company. And I think her holding this belt is going to do wonders for her. And I'm excited about this title ring that she's going to have. Um, as well, uh, Tony Storm, who is like at the Cinderella tournament, uh, has been working shows for Stardom on the, the Golden Week tour. And she was set to f- uh, have a match with B Priestley, who is an AEW contractor wrestler. And like, I can't imagine like B Priestley being the, the, the red champion. Losing to Tony Storm, who's the WWE UK, you know, women's champion. So apparently the WWE put the kibosh on this match. So now you're going to have, uh, B Priestley against Hazaki and then Kagetsu is going to fight Tony Storm on the aforementioned, uh, May 16th show next week.
0: I know WWE. A lot of the times, they get the the label of bully. I really don't blame them in this sense. It's like you're you're loaning out Tony Storm, and I think that comes like whether said or not said. It's like we're handing you one of our champions. Book accordingly. You know what I mean? Like yeah. putting them in the world championship match with B Priestley, presumably to lose. I, I really don't blame WWE for. You know they're they're doing a favor here, sending Tony Storm. So. I actually don't really disagree with WWE's stance on this one.
1: No, I know. I, when I say I put the kibosh, I think they – I think stardom like maybe didn't act in good faith if like, you know, they didn't tell them like, oh, yeah, she's going to be the champion because if she's not the champion, she can easily lose to Tony Storm. But like it, it, you put yourself in the position where it's like, OK, she's our she's our world champion now. Like so we can't have her lose. And I can see like them negotiating things and they say, no, we're not having that. OK, can she – can we have her fight kagetsu yeah as long as kagetsu loses you know because like Tony Storm's not going there to lose to anyone i don't think
0: she's lost a match since coming back to stardom so but it is what it is uh you also went to uh an actress girl show and a big japan show yeah so
1: just very quickly the actress girl show was uh had a lot of fans It drew like just over a thousand fans a lot of women at this show like like not as many as Men, like the, the, the ratio is still like higher for men, but a lot more like that I'm used to seeing at, you know, Joshi shows. So that's kind of I always like that. I like to think that, you know, Joshi is becoming more popular with women. Like I want to see the same demographic that I see at like New Japan or all Japan, which is like a, a large number of women. But, you know, like Joshi shows are, you know, very male dominated, which like I would like that to change. So this is really refreshing to see uh, this you know, this promotion is headlined by a wrestler who used to be in stardom. Her name is Sariano. I'm a big fan of hers. I think she's an excellent wrestler. She was headlining Corkan Hall against a, a former another former stardom wrestler by the name of Yoshiko who had that you know like controversial you know incident with uh, Yasakawa where she ended her career by shooting on her. Um, but they had a really excellent match. But the thing is with with actress girls is like, I'm not that familiar with most of the roster. So i had no emotional investment in, in any of these matches really. And so a lot of them, <laughs> unlike the star tournament, John, this, the, a lot of these matches went over like 15 minutes and I was just like feeling it after like the fourth match. I was just like, okay, this is not interesting for me. I don't know who any of these people are. I don't know any of these storylines and a lot of the roster is green. So the matches are not that great. I think if you're invested in the characters, you're going to enjoy 15 minutes minimum of these of these of these women having matches i i didn't so it was probably the worst show i went to but i will say this about actress girls is that they really dive deep into this whole idol culture that you see kind of you know permeate throughout most you know joshi promotions in stardom and uh tjpw in and to some like lesser extent you know some of the other places like ice ribbon but You know, the show begins with a dance number, John. So, like, they have these two factions in Actors Girls. One is called The Beginning and one is called Colors. And so Colors starts off the show by doing their own dance, you know, dance number. Then they leave the ring. And then The Beginning comes in. They do a dance number. And then both factions come in. And both factions consist of the entire roster, John. And they do a coordinated, like, dance number. And it's pretty cool to watch and I had to think they must have one of the most interesting jojos in Japan where not only are they learning how to wrestle but they're learning how to do coordinated dance numbers as well.
0: Well, that's something that I don't think the performance center can boast, probably not no
1: but uh it 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 is it was worth going just to see that kind of aspect of the show and i and I did like the main event a lot uh big Japan yeah, I so I went to the last and Hall show of the what we call the Heisei era in, in Japan, John, because uh, a new emperor has ascended to the throne of Japan. And when a new emperor like takes the throne, he gets to name the new era of uh, like the, you know, kind of like the new, like, I don't know how to explain it. It's, it's hard to explain in English. But we were in the this Heisei is when,
0: period. Uh, when Vince Russo became the emperor of WWF creative. They ushered in the Attitude era yeah. in
1: 1997. Yeah, that's a good analogy, John. So now we're in the the Rewa period from April 1st. So you know, I got to see the last show in Corken Hall on April 30th. I also saw the last death match ever of the of the Re, of the uh, era, John. So I, I was part of history here, and uh, it was a fun show. Like the good, the interesting thing about Big Japan is how many women. Are at these shows like and how many of them like are of like kind of a, a college age to like young professional woman age that go to these shows and a lot of them bring these huge ass cameras I think to capture all the like the glass coming from some of the deathmatch like tube matches that 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 permeate throughout you know big Japan um but uh, two matches I want to talk about in particular one was the main event uh, tag team deathmatch between uh deathmatch champion at that time Masaya Takahashi, and his tag team partner, Toshiyuki Sakura, they're collectively known as the third generation Chimo, Chimidoro brothers. I don't know what that means. I haven't looked it up. And they took on the team of Yuko Miyamoto and Isami Kodaka, who are known. And this match was insane. The, the highlight, so to speak, for me was at one point, Miyamoto brings out this giant light tube sword. John, I don't know how to explain it. It's like this metal frame covered in light tubes. And it's like twice the size of Miyamoto. So he goes up to the top rope and and he hits one of the his opponents with this thing, exploding it all over the ring. There's there's like two glass falling all over the, you know, the front rows, the front th- first three rows of these shows. And this is one reason why I say to my friends, if they want to go to a big Japan show, I will go with you as long as we sit like up in the bleachers. Cause I am not going to sit anywhere near the floors for any of these shows because like people have like, you know, like plastic, you know, like raincoats or like plastic blankets to protect themselves from the, the light tube glass, John, it's, it's insane. So I, I warn you, like if we, if you come in January, if we go to a big Japan show, I will make sure we sit up in the bleachers. Like, so we're not like, in any
0: danger of getting glass on ourselves. Okay. So don't worry about that. Uh, I'm not not too high on, on seeing light tubes live and in, and in living color.
1: It, it, yeah, neither am I, but you know, like, I kind of glad I checked it off the, the list, so to speak. <laughs> uh, but, uh, the other match was a six man strong division match, which is more up, you, you know, my alley and yours. It featured Daisuke Sakamoto, uh, Akira Hyodo and Hideyoshi Kamitani. and they took on the team of Yuji Okabayashi. Here he is again. Takuya Nomura, one of my favorites and, uh, one of my least favorites, Daichi Hashimoto. But this, this is a really good six man. The main story was, uh, you know, like setting up Okabayashi's challenge of uh, against Sekimoto for the strong division uh heavyweight title, which, uh you know, Sek- um, Okabayashi won at the endless survivor show at the Yokohama uh, a week later. So I didn't get to go to that show, unfortunately, but I heard it was a, it was a pretty
0: good show overall, but yeah, that was. All right. Well, before we wrap up, um, We've gone uh, way over here, but I uh, wanted to quickly make mention of uh, Dragon Gate has their King of Gate tournament that is uh, about to begin. And how much of this do you think you'll be uh, following up on? Um, and we could also finish out with uh, some Noah notes.
1: Um, not that much, you know, John. I, I, it's happening same time as Best of the Super Juniors, and that has more of my interest. I usually catch, like, maybe the the last two or three shows including the finals of King of Gate. Like, everything else is just like, ah, if someone hypes something up, I'll I'll listen to it. I'll watch it. But otherwise, I don't really pay that much attention to it.
0: And then Noah, they just had their Junior Tag League tournament. So that that wrapped up with uh, Kazuma Sakamoto and Takeshi Segura defeating Go Shiozaki and Katsuh- Katsuhiko Nakajima in the finals as well. Uh, did you happen to catch the finals?
1: I am really far behind on Noah. And I, I'll have to say that I'm not as super hyped about Noah as I am about, like, All Japan. I make a point of watching as much All Japan as I can. And, like, I, I'm a little down on Noah, you know, John? Like, I'm not really feeling the, the Kiyomiya title reign right now. Um, like, the biggest thing in the company for me is their tag division. And I, I really like Goshizaki and katsuhiko Nakajima the they're the tag team champions i think they're really really excellent tag team i like the junior heavyweight division as well like especially the tag team division and so they're going to start their junior tag league uh from may 28th and uh, i'm excited about that i'm going to try to catch as much of that as possible but the, the other thing about noah is like it's very very difficult to watch all the shows it's kind of the opposite of new japan like sometimes they put things on their youtube channel some things sometimes things make you know and, uh, Samurai TV, so we can watch it that that way. But, uh, I'm excited about one thing about this, uh, upcoming junior tag league, and that's the inclusion of, uh, Chris Ridgeway, uh, UK wrestler who's making a name for himself recently. And he's going to make his Japanese debut and his NOAA debut in this tournament. He's going to team up with Hito- Hitoshi Kumano, who used to be in a tag team with uh, Hajime Ohara called the Backbreakers, but they split up. So Ridgeway and Kumano are going to team up. And I'm, I'm pretty excited about, seeing him i'm going to try to go to at least one of these shows live probably a yokohama show so uh, if i do that i'll I'll, uh, maybe give an update on uh, to you uh or and maybe talk about the tournament uh, online or something uh, with the site or something we'll see john
0: i do like what noah has done now we're putting up some of their big shows on youtube uh because that's really like the most accessible way to to get noah these days in a Easy fashion, uh, so I think that that's been smart. That they're they've kind of been you know selective in what shows they they've put out there. But I think that that's a good a good as good a move as any to tie, kind of keep their product accessible for people. Well, I think that the main goal of them
1: of like their business model should be to try to draw as many people to their live shows as possible because they're not making many any other way. So,
0: all right, well, we have reached the end of the show, and we promised a big announcement at the end of the show. And that big news, I will hand it over to WH Park, who is going to be launching his own series here at Post Wrestling. And it's going to kick off Saturday, June 1st. And WH, what do we have in store for this upcoming summer? So to kind of like
1: coincide with the you know upcoming G1 Climax tournament, I thought it would be a, a nice idea to uh, do a series looking back at All the previous tournament finals of the G1 climax, starting from 1991 and going all the way to 2018. Uh, and so like I, I contacted a bunch of people I know who are, you know, who love wrestling, who do podcasts, who don't do podcasts, but I, I like, I enjoy conversing with them about wrestling. So we're going to have like, you know, a show called Cruel Summer. And the reason it's called Cruel Summer is because it's really hot in Japan. In the summer, John. And that's simply it. And like, I've been to enough G1 Climax finals in Sumo Hall to really hate the experience of being there alive, but still enjoy the matches. But I feel it's, 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 I feel summer is being cruel to me for putting me in that kind of environment. To watch these amazing wrestling matches that tend to be in the G1 Climax finals, so um, yeah, I, I think people will really like, you know, the guests I've had lined up for this sh- for the show. And like, yeah, please tune in. Um, my first guest is someone that I think has a lot of knowledge about uh, professional wrestling. His name's John Pollock, and like, Whoa. you know, you know, so
0: well, I'm honored to be on the 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 maiden voyage of Cruel Summer. So that will be. Coming up Saturday, June 1st, and that means that for the entire summer, everyone's going to get a special treat. It's a weekly dose of WH Park. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that, selfishly, myself, to get to hear more of WH. So that's going to be uh, dropping Saturday, June 1st. It'll be on the main post-wrestling feed, free for everybody, and tackling uh, the finals of every single G1 Climax so uh more details will be coming out uh but look forward to that and it all starts with 1991 with the final between Masahiro Chono and Keiji Muto from the very first G1 Climax in August of 1991 uh so WH you and I will be back uh probably the first week of June maybe uh heading into Dominion
1: yeah I'm going to that live I'm I'm really excited John like I'm it's gonna be like a a who's who of wrestling podcasters in in, at, in Osaka, like joining me is going to be myself, Joel Abraham, uh, my former co uh, Jojo Remy, uh, is going to be Alan Farrell from the, the torch, uh, his Chris Jericho, Chris Jericho. Yes. John, don't let the secret up. We're going to try to keep our dinner secret. Jesus. Uh, uh Sarah Farrell, who does the two Sarah show over at voices of wrestling.com as well. And, some people, I'm sure, I'm forgetting. We'll see, but it's going to be a fun time. I'm going to see a baseball, game, a Japanese baseball game for the first time, John. I, oh, I don't, wow. I don't even like baseball, but I'm so excited to see a Hash and Tigers game in Osaka because those fans apparently are crazy. I'll, I'll send video uh, to you, like when from the show, from that okay, match, well. from the from the game. Sorry.
0: I, I hope there aren't uh, a- a- any bad fan experiences at this baseball game for you.
1: No, they're just crazy. Like they love the Tigers done
0: like like i'll I'll send you a video when i'm there i think you'll be like really dig this awesome all right well uh again uh wh will be back here uh with myself on june the 1st for the launch of cruel summer and then we'll be talking right around dominion time uh with wh uh, attending that show live so if you are a listener that happens to be going to dominion definitely go up to wh park and ask him hey what do you think about what i'm wearing and maybe he'll give you a live review there in person at osaka joe hall i'll do that for free too (laughs) for wh park who you can follow at wh park nine that is the number nine i'm john pollock thanks for listening and we'll be back in a couple of weeks